0: Welcome back to another episode of our The Wasted Art podcast. This is Martin and for this episode I met with Ben and Matthew, the designers of Kottweiler, in their studio in London. We talked about how they met, partying in Paris, combining sportswear and tailoring, and of course their latest collection, The Lost Art of Cruising. Make sure to check out our selection in our store on thewastedart.shop. Thanks for tuning in, I hope you enjoy so, um, today I'm sitting here with uh, Ben and Matthew from Cotteweiler. Hello guys, thank you very much for taking the time. Hi, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we will be stuck in from um, the autumn winter season on. I'm super excited to have them um, at our shop. Um, I read quite like some things like about you and I want to start like from the beginning. Do you remember where you first meet? Uh, yeah, we met at university in Bristol. Um, me and Ben
1: were the only kind of two guys in a class of around forty girls, so
0: it was inevitable that we were gonna meet. <laughs> okay, do you remember your first impression of each other? Um.
2: Yeah, I think um my fr- I was quite intrigued by Matthew because he was quite quiet um and like a little bit mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but I, I don't know. I, I was quite. I guess I'm quite loud. So it was. I don't know. Not an instant. I don't know, connection,
1: I guess. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think I remember sort of feeling maybe a little bit intimidated by Ben because he kind of comes across sort of this sort of hard exterior. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah,
2: that was kind of our first. But actually, I think before we even properly spoke, I think I had to wear one of Matthew's pieces for a tutorial. Yeah, like so crit, Like a...
0: So clothes came first. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah exactly, because I was the only boy on the, on the floor. Yeah,
1: we used to have to do fittings for our pieces, for our projects on each other, but we weren't actually friends with each other. We were working in different part departments. Okay. Yeah,
0: so
2: they dragged me
0: in for a... For a fitting, yeah. Okay, <laughs> and then, like, you two travelled to Paris. Right. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then, like the internet says, you bonded over like the same taste in, in music. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah what was I, the artist you had like in common that you both like loved or like the um,
1: music? It w- wasn't specifically just an artist. It was more about um, a feeling, I guess. I think both of us are both. Uh, we don't really like to kind of follow anyone's rules. So uh, Paris, when we went, because we were under the kind of university. We decided to just not really do what was on the itinerary and instead kind of explore Paris and just have fun basically yeah, exactly. um yeah. yeah did you go r too? like yeah in
2: we went out the first night and then stayed out for the rest of the trip <laughs> um we didn't do any of the like Matthew said we didn't do any of the activities planned by the university
1: yeah. yeah, so we just went out and we, we went to a techno club the first night that we got there and that was kind of like, yeah, but I mean, we're into all sorts of types of music, but it's more about kind of like, yeah, just sort of expressing ourselves and just having a really good time.
0: Yeah, I can not imagine that's being like a bonding thing, like yeah, going exactly. on a party together in Paris Definitely. for like several days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's also like, um, you can know how you get along with each other, like if you have mm-hmm. the same vibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, what was the last artist like music or album that uh, stuck in your head or like blew you away oh Probably, god not know, it's Popcorn, Popcorn mm-hmm. album yeah maybe yeah, yeah. Th- that was great yeah. i heard him first on the like with Jamie xx i after right, okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no, yeah, no we, we've been a
2: big fans for a long time so yeah we follow everything that sort of he releases and yeah, not sure I was
0: going to change with his new sign ins, but anyway. Yeah, cool. How do you choose the music for your shows? Like, who, who does it from you? Or? We
1: work with, we have a lot of friends that are musicians. So sometimes we work with uh, um, some friends like Palmistry, who's quite well known over here and over in America. Uh, what we do is we tend to we work really closely with the musicians um, and kind of co produce the tracks for the shows so uh it's a completely collaborative process uh, but we've worked with lots of different people and we've worked with um, a nigerian guy um, who i was a really huge fan of uh, and um, he had never really released anything completely unknown and we approached him and kind of Uh, chose one of his tracks, which he tweaked for the show, so in a slightly different way. Um, Yeah, so it it varies, but we like to work with people that uh, obviously that we love, but also with people that are a little bit under the radar. Um, It kind of satisfies us to collaborate with people and to kind
0: of move up together. Yeah, that's great. Also, you have something like more exclusive to your shows and not just like the for the 10th time using a song that's already been used. Exactly. Yeah. The tracks are
2: always really personal to us in some way, you know. Um, it's, it's always, even though it relates to the concept of the collection, it's still very personal to myself and Matthew. It's yeah. not just a fashion show track.
0: Exactly. And that's what a fashion show should be like about, like the combination of like the clothes like yeah. and like the music too. Yeah. You know? And it's great that you pay attention to it. It's really yeah, cool. So after you finished uh, your studies in uh, Bristol did, um, how did it proceed like did you have in mind right then like to do a label together like during your doing your studies or I think we kind of organically started to
1: work together when we were at university we both developed our graduate collections together it was almost like a collaboration for that even though we had to produce separate collections okay. and then we moved back to London and we were both quite sort of conscious and also had the opportunities to build some kind of career uh, with other designers and Ben was on Savile Row and he was you know enjoying that and pretty successful Um, I was working with Kim Jones and then I and then I started working and consulting for a lot of sportswear brands so both of us were you know pretty busy um, when we graduated but I think it kind of goes back to not wanting to be told what to do, and I think neither of us felt it was a natural thing. Um, so we gained experience with other designers, but whilst we were doing that, we started making stuff for each other
0: at my flat, and yeah. just that's kind of how it started, really. Cool, so how, like, where, this, that's where the energy came from, like that you yeah. don't, didn't want to have um, anyone telling you what to do, basically. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, we wanted to create our own um. projects and our own you know we, we wanted to work creatively outside of the sort of day-to-day jobs you know it's what well, that was fine to pay the bills but it wasn't uh it wasn't creative enough
0: for us.
1: Yeah, we wanted to produce original work, otherwise kind of what's the point in being creative, you know? Um, Yeah,
0: totally. It's not creative that someone tells you like, do this and you just, yeah, you just execute it. So it's like the combination, like Cotteweiler is like, always what I read first, like, there's the combination of tailoring and sportswear. Mm -hmm. So like hearing that you worked on a several row with a tailor and you consulted like sportswear companies, it's like the perfect fusion, like where it came from. Yeah. Um, What do you remember about your time from, like, several several Row? I think it just taught me how to understand the luxury
2: market and attention to detail in menswear. I think, I know, tailoring is so precise, like, the cut is everything, um, because the details are so minimal. Um, So, yeah, just really sort of maybe understand the eye and sort of working under Oswald Boateng, he sort of, is you know, he has, like, an amazing eye for that, so... Yeah, I just absorbed as much as I can from that and put it into cotweiler later.
0: Cool. So you started like when you founded the label, which year was this? Like just.
1: It's a little bit blurry because, like I said, it was an organic process. And so we started working together even before we had a name for what we were doing. Um, but we kind of founded the brand and the name in 2012. And that's when we started to uh, kind of wholesale and move out of kind of art and installation and into actually
2: building collections.
0: Okay. So how did you build Context already doing your studies? Like just when you started yeah, the label? So it was,
2: yeah, as soon as before we even announced it as the label began to sell, we just produced content from the, the sort of samples and the pieces we were making. Um, so we were documenting everything we made, photographing it, making videos, just shooting on each other. Um, and that became our sort of like main I put through Tumblr mainly. Yeah, exactly.
0: So you started like putting out your work via images through Tumblr. Yeah, exactly.
2: I think
1: neither of us really, um, you know, we didn't go to London fashion schools and outside of London you get less opportunity in terms of press for your graduate collections. Um, It's just just the way it is. I think it's changed a little bit now, but you know, back then it was really hard to get any kind of recognition. Um, But, Um, Tumblr and the internet and that kind of way of communicating imagery had just started and so it was really our only opportunity for other people to see what we were doing Um, so it was a great kind of tool for that and again Tumblr itself and the way you exchange images has changed even since then so uh,
0: I told you like Tumblr it's not like it's still around, I well, think. it's censored, so, yeah, and, yeah, now, you know, yeah, a lot changed. of
1: what we did in the early days was kind of quite suggestive, um, and also, um, you know, it wasn't in any way X-rated, but it went into categories of fetish that you could explore on Tumblr that you, you, you can't anymore, you know, it's dulled down, it's, yeah.
0: Totally. Not, um, I thing. think they censored it around like December last year, mm-hmm. but like yeah, yeah some it's say crazy. that's the death of, yeah, <laughs> of course. the death yeah, of Tumblr now. Be, yeah, just the the censorship. Um, I don't know which one of you, but one of you was a uh, was a runner. Yeah, I was. You were, yeah, yeah and yeah. you did compete uh, nationally too. Yeah? Yes, yeah. yeah How did, did you get into that? Like, um, I was, re- I mean, I was really just
1: kind of. I went to a sports school um, from the age of eight um, to eighteen, um, and so I was kind of brought up to naturally do that. Um, and yeah, I started competing um, from a really young age um, until I left school when I was eighteen. Um, yeah, and it gave me, um, it wasn't really just about the interest, interest in performance sport, but I was also really interested in the kind of uniformity and the codes of sort of team, team playing and stuff, which is a really big part of what we do now as well.
0: Yeah, I see that. Yeah. And you did. why did you stop? Because you, when you finished school and then... Yeah, I on, actually, <laughs> um, I,
1: I got an injury, I got a really bad injury. Um, okay. when me I was, or? Yeah, yeah. exactly, uh. in my late teens, so I, I couldn't compete anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a bummer. Like the knees is like a... Burden. Yeah, it's, it
1: was always the knees. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: I've been skateboarding for like 10 years and the knee right. is always like the, yeah, the thing that... Exactly. Like even now, like when I do some running, like the knees are always yeah, like the first really thing that's, that's hurting.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> so like after you did like several collections and you um, people like got to know you, took, um, took notice of you, it was like two years ago, I think, that she won the Woolmark prize. Yes,
1: yes, 2017. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, what um how did it change or oh, did, did, did something change since you won the prize
1: yeah it made us um, uh, it made people kind of more aware of us on a kind of bigger scale and more of a global scale um the final was in Paris and uh, we weren't expecting to win and so it was like a little bit of a shock and a bit of a whirlwind and we woke up in the morning and there was just like tons of press but press from kind of different corners of the earth you know mm-hmm. it was like china and russia and uh, and it was like kind of a bit more of a mainstream commercial exposure so um it kind of took us from being quite unknown underground into sort of more of a commercial arena which really helped
0: the business grow totally it also includes like i think besides the money our mentorship like yeah did you what was the most important or what was one of the main things that you learned since then i
2: think from our trip we actually went out to visit the the wool growers in australia and actually went to the source of the of the fabric so i think yeah yeah. we learned everything there is to know (laughs) about producing merino Merino uh, wool yeah which is quite amazing to experience that yeah
0: There's one thing i always noticed about your clothes like the the fabrics that Mm -hmm. you really pay close attention yeah, this. yeah, and it's really important, how, yeah. how how's the process of you like deciding for a
1: um, We I mean everything kind of comes from a sort of concept and an idea we build our mood boards and then from the mood boards we translate those images into kind of surfaces for materials basically so um, we work with a few really key suppliers in Italy Um where we develop everything from most of the things from scratch, um, so yeah, we you know we like to innovate with our Italian suppliers, but also there's a element of kind of tradition in terms of the way that they produce and traditional craftsmanship and luxury. So it's kind of a combination of those two things of kind of function and technicality with something that's a little bit more classic and elegant. So there's always that balance with our fabrics.
0: Yeah, totally. I think you hit it quite well. Like the balance um, since a few years also you do like a collaboration with uh, Reebok right? yeah yeah and now the for the next season like the sneakers are dropping too exactly. how did that uh, get together like Reebok, did Reebok approach you or
2: yes they did so basically they um, they attended one of our in-store in-store installations at Machine in London I had a, um, and it was very the brand was very new to Reebok then um, but she sort of kinda of fell in love with the brand and the collection and invited us to Boston to start talking about a collection and that was four seasons ago maybe. Yeah. Um and we've continued the collaboration until
0: Island. Yeah, you did a presentation at Pity, I think. Like, what does was we this did. the first yeah, yeah, was yeah. this the first thing with that was with, the first yeah, collection? Yeah, the yeah. with the white foam. Exactly. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was it was a salt therapy spa. Yeah, yeah, we turned the church into a salt therapy spa. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah you
0: always do like cool shows like the last um last thing you did was the um for the lost art of cruising Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. you rented like a parking space like which was like 12 stories
2: yeah yeah deepest spot in london deepest public space in london
0: yeah like i said it's like the lost art of cruising like perhaps some listeners don't know what cruising is like anymore like Mm -hmm. i think i would describe like it's a place that is known that you can go there and have, like, anonymous sex, right? Yeah, exactly. Why is it for you, like, the lost art? Uh,
1: The idea was kind of, like, sort of a wider message, I guess, and the show was more about kind of telling the concept in more of a sort of literal, direct way or in a way that we could relate to the codes of dress and stuff. But I think the overriding concept was about, you know, the loss of um, face-to-face communication with... Dating apps, basically, and how people have changed the way that they socialize and interact with each other. Um, so that was kind of like the, the the sort of story on a on a wider scale, I guess.
0: How did you think it changed, like the, the communication?
1: Well, I think people, um, I think people rely on technology to make connections with people um, whereas before technology existed you relied on you know body language and and the sound of someone's voice and you know all of those things um defined who a person was and it's not so it's not the case really anymore you know um until you like your profile picture now
0: yeah yeah (laughs) exactly
1: your your status right yeah Yeah, absolutely it's obviously it's not just you know it's not just dating apps it's you know you know facebook and all of these kind of things are all you know the same concept um yeah, yeah so it was a comment on that i guess
0: Totally, like just the other day, I was like standing in front of a cafe, but instead of going in and asking how long it's open, I googled it, and then I was like, "Why?" <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and the, exactly. But like, it's so so subconscious now already mm-hmm. that yeah. you like s- check stuff on your phone.
1: You might have. Asked the opening hours and found the love of your life and uh, (laughs) exactly yeah
0: (laughs) yeah and I think it's always like so restricted like you build up a lot of expectations like when you have like a dating app and you see someone and of course no one is putting a picture where they look bad as their profile picture you know so like
1: exactly and you know there's pros and cons you know you can connect to people all over the world you know it's opened the world it's made it a smaller place but you know there's obviously other things as well that. Or maybe not so positive. Um, And I think by kind of expressing it in the way that we did, uh, it was a way of associating it to what runs through all of our collections, you know. Um, And this was just a sort of expression of that.
0: How does a place become a cruising place? Like, they still exist. Like, they're they're still cruising places. But like, I was thinking the the other day and like um, talking to someone, I was like, how, does a place become a cruising place? Right. Does someone just say it? It
2: has to be discreet to start with, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's like... It It has to be like publicly accessible, but discreet. That's obviously the first. But I'm I'm sure it comes back from many, many generations, you know? it's, It's not like a... You know, you take, they've all got a sort of well, story, th- right? Yeah. yeah, I think I guess the, the main thing
1: is that it's born from a, uh, you know, having to hide who you are to society, you know. So it is, like Ben said, it's about... And a lot of the time they're on edges of cities and stuff like this, you know, so it's somewhere that is easily accessible, but somewhere that, you know, no one will ever find you. Yeah. Unless um, you
0: want to be found. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know. but there's, there are two kind of places, I think, because, like, there's also, like, what I didn't know is was, like, when I was living in Paris and I was mm-hmm. just, like, passing, like, the Louvre, there's, like, the maze.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And I saw, like, like... I was like 20, 24 at this point, like more aware of the stuff, but like first second I was like, why are there so many guys yeah. standing around <laughs> here? Amazed. And then like one started following me and I was like, oh God, yeah, yeah this yeah, is yeah, like yeah. a cruising place. Like it's in the middle of Paris. Like, yeah, and that's exactly. what I think it's like, so that's like, it. it's, 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 but it's great, it's like next to the Louvre. But yeah. it's very, you yeah. have yeah, to
2: know to know, you know, that's part of this kind of like secret.
1: Exactly, yeah. it's location. right under your nose, but you, you know, Exactly, like you have people that would know it and then you have a load of people that would be completely... Just walk deep. through it and have no idea. And exactly. That's yeah. kind
0: of what's was fascinating, you know? Totally. And like also like the codes and like the language and then you follow each other and like yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's
2: just more humane, you know? It's more, you sort of see how someone reacts to you and you know, this kind of interaction is what we were trying to express. You know, you can't do that when you're on a sort of digital screen.
0: Yeah. And it's like a totally another thing like that you meet up or send like a pin through... A uh, social uh, dating yeah, app, exactly. Instead, yeah. when, you, when, you, when you're there, yeah. <laughs> but I, I like just like I, I loved it so much. The title, like the lost art of cruising, because like mm. cruising has been around like forever, and yeah. I think it's still it still is. Yeah. Um. And perhaps like people will go back. Exactly. To, and we
2: always work a little bit in the future, you know. What I'm yeah. saying it's like gone now. Oh, yeah. But we're sort of like predicting what might
0: happen like, as it comes. Um. Just recently, you did. A show in uh, Korea, right? Mm-hmm. Like you did, you redid the Lost Art of Cruising show yes. there. How was it for you to do a show twice?
1: Um, we were kind of quite conscious not to repeat the collections. So we had a tailor working with us in Seoul who made some extra pieces and accessories and actually re-customized some of the pieces that we used in London. Um, and the idea was to kind of actually make it a little bit more um, elegant and a bit more evening. Um, really from the casting that we did with the boys, we just got a real feel of, of the Korean boys that we cast in the styling. Whilst we were styling and casting together at the same time, it just turned into something that was a little bit more refined and. Uh, slightly different edge to London, I guess. Um, but yeah, similar kind of concept, but in, in I think Ben described it as they met cruising and now they're in the hotel lobby. Um, yeah, exactly. That was kind of the vibe basically. So it was like more of an evening kind of yeah, exactly.
0: look. Cool, yeah, <laughs> because like normally there is like, the, there's the show and that's it. And like in, in the fashion cycle, it's so, um, it's so fast, you just Mm -hmm. move on. So it's kind of cool to do like a thing twice. Yeah, it was a huge challenge actually, Um, but it was, yeah, it was
1: really good fun. Um, And it was really good to kind of have a different production as well for the show. Um, And that was a big difference, you know, totally different crowd as well. A lot of people had not you know, obviously been able to see the show in London, so.
0: Yeah, cool, yeah, I really liked it. Like clicking through the pictures too. Thank Thank you. you. Um, My last question is like you two I think went out a lot, like during your studies, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> went like uh, and a partying too. Like, uh. I love like going out too, like during like my studies. I went out a lot. Of course, now I've calmed down like a uh-huh. little bit, but yeah. still like every now and then. Yeah. Um, what was one of your most memorable nights or like days when you go out? Do you have like a good story to share? Oh my! Yeah, god. Yeah, I do.
2: Um, once we went to like a bank holiday weekend rave With about 2-3 thousand people And it was when we first started Kottweiler, Um And I managed to find a microphone That was connected to the To the system To the system okay. So I started <laughs> just saying Cotweiler Like to the beat that was really embarrassing. Um, in, But nobody knew what it was But obviously subliminally Like I put Cotweiler into 2-3 two, thousand people's heads Um Yeah no, they Talk fun. about marketing,
0: like that's like, exactly yeah. Cool, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have one too? Like, do you remember like a good night out? Or? Uh,
1: I can't if say we, it publicly. <laughs> yeah, <so.
0: laughs>
2: we'll yeah I not remember it. it <laughs>
0: Perfect guys, mm. so thank you so much. Thank you. really looking forward like to um, have you um, with the Wasted Hour. Yeah, for thank sure. We should,
1: if we come down to try and make a trip down to Hamburg to come and see the store and stuff, it would be really cool.
0: Yeah, that would be great. Perfect. So thank you so much. Wish thank you all you. the best for the upcoming um, collection thank in June. And look yeah. forward to everything that you do in the future. Cheers. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers.